Well, today we want to welcome to the table my co-host for this season two, Susan Bates. Hi, Susan. Hi, Thomas. Um, Susie is guiding us, helping us think about some issues related to parenting. And this comes out of uh, her experience as a parent, but also her uh, years of training as a family pastor, or what we call a, our church a generations pastor. And so um, I'm kind of excited about you being here today. You brought a guest and we have a great topic. Why don't you share both of those? Yeah, I brought a friend of mine, a fellow parent, Denise LaPlante. Um, she's also a parent. Tell us about your kids, Denise. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. So I have two boys who are nine and five. Okay. And um, I thought Denise would be a great voice to bring today. We're going to talk about screens today. And she has a unique perspective because she's got two young boys that she's raising. Um, but she also serves as a small group leader in our student ministry. Um, so tell us a little bit about, about that experience, Denise. Yeah, so this is my fourth year. My girls are seniors this year. And so I've kind of gone through those teenage years slightly. And I feel like as a parent, being friends with those girls and being friends with some of their parents has given me a different perspective than just having elementary school kids. Mm -hmm. That I see, oh, like now these girls are expected to have a phone. They almost need it sometimes for the things they're involved in. What is on that phone? How often are they using it? And it's just in a, a different awareness than I think I have just with a second grader going to school. Mm -hmm. um, and so we started to have more conversations in our home about what does it mean um, to be on the internet? What are we preparing our kids for as we go forward? And just getting that perspective from some of our friends who are a little bit ahead of us. It's so valuable to have parents who are in a phase ahead of yours. I think it helps yeah. us to think ahead and to plan ahead and to be a little more proactive and get in front of some of these things before mm -hmm. you know we're surprised by them. Yeah. I went with a five-year-old, not that he does everything I say, but it's a little bit easier to tell him something. And then we're hearing our friends with a 14-year-old who are like, we can't get anything through. Right. <laughs> so just, you know, just a little bit of a light bulb, like, Oh, maybe we should say this at age six, right. age eight. And then yeah. it's not the first time when they're 15. Yeah. So it's so just understanding. So, you know, you have, you have two young boys at home, but for the last four years you've been working with uh, did, like high school girls. Yes. Or do you start? With I started them? with them as freshmen. freshmen? Okay. So when it comes to screens, like what I can think of any two more diverse groups yeah. High school girls and then preteen boys. What's what? What are some things that you began to see differently with the screens that they're interacting? I mean, a lot of what the girls are doing is social media, talking to each other, and we don't really have that in our house right now. Mm -hmm. um, but we, I've started to talk to my boys when I'm on social media about like, hey, look, this is what my friend posted. This is something I like to see. Oh, darn, I was on too long today. Mm -hmm. um, and you noticed because you wanted me to do something and I was distracted. And then I can translate that to like, hey, do you remember when you were playing your video game and you wouldn't, you didn't want to stop? Mm -hmm. We need to practice like some self-control and some limits because we want to be with the people around us. Yeah, I think I've even seen already differences between my two boys in where screen time is going to be an issue. My older son is 
100% about sports. So if you're going to let him look at sports scores, watch a game, play a sports video game, he could do it all day. Anything else, he'd leave it in a, in a heartbeat. That's so great to hear you say that you were kind of showing an example of what it looks like um, to experience your own struggle with screens. I loved how you invite your boys into a moment where you're looking at social media and you show them what you like about it. And then you say, gosh, I was on that too long. Just then when you were asking me to come do something with you and I was on my phone, like, how did that make you feel? I should have, I should, I should choose the live person in front of me over the screen hundred percent of the time. And I think it's so helpful for us as parents to not take the posture of we've got this all figured out. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's our tendency. Even if we don't, we want our kids to have confidence in the things we're saying, and we don't want to imply that we might not have it all figured out when really, I think that's where the power is to, to be honest with our kid and say, see, this is something that I am dealing with too. And I, I feel like that takes the, um, just the isolation away from it, or it makes us more approachable as parents, maybe for our kids to know my mom's talked to me about this before. And it's, I know it's a struggle for her, so it's okay for it to be a struggle for me. And it's okay for us to talk about it together. I think that's really powerful. Okay. So you were telling me recently, um, Denise, we've been talking about this a lot in the last few weeks, how um, some time with your boys watching baseball games kind of prompted you to think about some things differently, commercials that were kind of consistently mm -hmm. coming up that I don't think you would typically say, I'm going to talk to my grade school kids, you know, about alcohol or these beer yeah. commercials, but it almost like provided this opportunity for you to talk about those things with them. Would you tell us about that? Yeah. So, I mean, in our house, there's not a ton of TV. And if there is, it's sports and it's playoff baseball season right now. And so there's been a lot on and suddenly I realized every third commercial was telling my kids, oh, this is your Saturday morning beer. Oh, this is your party beer. Oh, this is your, your look good today beer. And I was realizing, you know, I'm not worried right now that my eight-year-old is going to go out and have a drink. But if he's going to hear that a hundred times this month, I want to put a different voice in there also. Yeah. Like, hey, what do you think happens if you're going to have beer all these times plus this other alcohol that's even more special? Like, what do you know about that? So just letting the times that they're getting that voice into them, letting them have the opportunity to ask questions about what they're hearing. Yeah, and we've found that it's, we've talked before, that it's so much easier to have these conversations with our kids when they're young. It doesn't feel awkward to them. Um, if you just kind of be cool and try and, and lower the awkwardness that you're feeling uh, and expressing. Um, We've talked recently about the fact that it's almost easier to have these conversations about very serious things with our younger kids than it is when our kids get older. And so it's beautiful what you did there talking about beer with your eight-year-old. Now it's going to make it not seem as big a deal, you know, when he's a preteen mm. or a teenager and you're having to have a little bit more serious of a talk about alcohol. He's going to just, that's just part of what you do. Um, and we wanted to talk about something today. I think what's the big fear about screens that every parent has is pornography. And, and we have been sharing our experiences with our kids and have found that 
it's a lot easier to have this porn conversation with a young one than it is with a teenager. And so it's just so important to, to start talking about these things when they're young so that it, it does seem normal to them, you know? Right. Well, let me ask a weird question. Are, are you a big fan of watching baseball? I, I do enjoy baseball. Oh. I probably am now the third in my family, but okay. yeah. Well, where I was going with that was um, the reason that you were able to have conversations about uh, beer or that you it became on your radar is because you were sitting there with him watching the game. Mm-hmm. It is so easy today, and I, I see it happen. I've done it. It is so easy to let the screen just kind of babysit your kid. And, and maybe it's even like, oh, well, I'm going to put on a show that I know is good. For, okay, VeggieTales. I don't know if that's still a popular show. <laughs> uh, VeggieTales is good. I can leave the room, and they can just be there watching, and that's fine. Um, but then you know, they're watching sports. Okay, we're watching the Cowboys game. Well, it's fine for him just to be in there watching that. I'm going to go get the food or whatever. It just becomes easy to not be sitting at the couch with them, engaging in their screen. And I think that begins to foster um, some potential isolation because now a kid, he sees something, maybe he doesn't really know what he's seeing, but it's interesting and there's no one around that's paying attention that's like, hey, did you see what just happened? What did you think about that? And so Mm -hmm. it, it almost, I think, can begin to create the opposite of what you just said, Susie, where right. this is not ooh, this is not something I'm going to be able to talk about. Right. We've yeah. had to go to the point in our home where we, we've we never allowed TVs in our bedrooms, even in Jessica's bedroom. We don't want that. And then they came up with this thing called the iPhone or the iPad, which is like, that, that's the same thing. Right. Uh-huh. Um, but we don't, we, we don't have screens in our rooms. And if we ever do, it's with doors open. Um, but yeah. because we're trying to foster that. But what I really love about what you're doing is you're, you're taking the time as a mom to engage with your kids. And, and then you were present for when those conversations came up. Mm-hmm. Instead of the flip side of, well, you know, it's uh, Wednesday night. I decided to talk to my kids about beer right. or whatever. It seems like it was more organic and it was easier to happen when they were young because you were there. Mm-hmm. Is that Oh, I, I think so. And I think um, I think that's great advice for every parent is to to look for those organic opportunities. Yeah. You know, uh, it doesn't feel like as big a deal. I, I remember like the one big conversation that I, that I had with my parents and it, and it kind of was a big deal. It was like, OK, we're, we're going to talk now. Let's all sit down. And immediately I thought I was in trouble. You know, that's just how we respond as kids. But if a parent can can be thinking ahead and be proactive and looking for these opportunities where it's, whether it's commercials um, or whatever, and just, and just have, have a really short conversation. Mm-hmm. I think the way we were, we were raised, it was kind of one talk. You got the talk. Right. Usually it was the sex talk. Um, I think with this new generation, information screens are so available to our kids. It, it needs to be lots of talks, multiple conversations. And they can be really short. They can be 60 seconds long. Well, that was an interesting commercial. Why are we seeing all these beer commercials and just have a conversation with them? And that'll set you up for the next time. Mm-hmm. And the next conversation can be a little bit longer, a little bit deeper. It's, yeah. it's lots, of, lots of talks, not just one talk. Yeah. And I think even your, your rule about keeping the door open, that's something else that we recently decided, well, let's just start that now. Yeah. Like, yeah, you're five and you have the PBS kids game, but keep your door open if we let you have it in your room today. Yeah, that's good. So then when they're 13, 
and have their own phone, it's not going to be a big shock when you're like, yeah. hey, do you have your phone in your room? Let's keep your door open. That's just what they've always done. Yeah. Well, we want to talk today about kind of what I think is the biggest fear for parents um, and screens, and that is pornography. You know, it's, it's just such a different time now. Um, I have shared with my kids uh, the first time that I saw pornography. I was a teenager, and it was just a lot harder to come by back then. You know, now my 10-year-old, I'm certain, has seen some soft porn already on, on one of her device screens. Uh, but my the, the first time I saw pornography, it was in a magazine, and it was kind of some great links that everyone had to go to to even get that magazine in my friend's and I's hands. Uh, but that's just not the case anymore. It's so easily accessible. Um, and Denise and I have been talking a lot about uh, how do we have this porn talk with our kids lately. Um, and I'd love to start with a question that I think a lot of parents ask themselves. What is the right age to talk to my kid about porn? I think with a lot of scary topics um, like pornography or like even suicide, parents' fear is that if I'm, if I'm the first one to mention this to my kid, am I just going to like plant ideas in their head that weren't there before? Um, and that is just, it's absolutely not true. Um, so what, what would your thoughts be, Denise, on like an appropriate age to talk to your kids about pornography? I don't know that there's a specific age, but I recently listened to an author who writes on this subject say, well, we teach our kids not to touch the stove as soon as they can reach it. Mm -hmm. So as soon as we're going to give our kids access to the internet, anything, we're going to need to start talking about it in age-appropriate ways. Right. Um, I was in the grocery store with one of my kids, I think, at about age five, and one of those magazines that should have a paper in front of it didn't have a paper in front of it. And his face got bright red. He knew something wasn't right about that. Mm -hmm. We didn't really have good language to talk about it, but I tried to make it like, hey, that was uncomfortable, right? That's yeah. not the way that we want. That's not the way we want to look at women or talk about women I recently found out that at the elementary school, an ad popped up while he was doing research for a project. Um, thankfully, he kind of just knew, oh, the little X will make that go away, and it wasn't a big deal. But it's going to happen with filters, with everything, because it's, it's everywhere in our world right now. Yeah, and I think you just touched on something that's really important. Um, I know you've had that conversation uh, with your eight-year-old. You guys have talked about pornography, right? A little bit. A little bit. And so yeah. you've given him um, some tools to use, not if it happens, but when he sees pornography. And I would love to give that those tools to any of our listeners um, that are with us today. Uh, the first one being, if you haven't talked to your kid about pornography, they're not going to know what to do. And they're probably going to assume whatever feeling they're having associated with that is wrong. It does feel a little bit shameful. It's also mixed in with this curiosity. And um, we just leave our kids hanging if we don't talk to them about it, because then they don't know what to do with that experience. No matter how big and scary it was, or no matter how small and brief going through the checkout line at a grocery mm -hmm. store, if we don't have this conversation with our kids, they don't know what to do when it happens. Um, so I just want to encourage parents to start talking about it 
sooner than later. It's multiple conversations. Um, and I found that it's, it's a lot scarier for me to have this conversation with my 15 year old than it is with my 10 year old. Mm -hmm. It's, it's pretty easy when they're young, they listen to you. They, they ask questions. They're not embarrassed to ask. They're honest and open, but, uh, we all know as we get older, we kind of develop this filter and we're embarrassed about things, certainly not wanting to talk about things like pornography with our parents of all people. And so just the sooner we start, the better. I love the analogy you gave about the hot stove. The moment our kids can reach it, we teach them that's hot. That's hot. Even a little toddler that doesn't have many words, you know, can say hot and point at the stove. Um, I love that example. I think that's really important. I would throw it to you that if they're asking, a question. Mm, yeah. That's yes. an opportunity. So Absolutely. There's sometimes, you know, a kid will ask us a question about maybe something they saw or a word they heard at school and it flusters us because we're like, oh, I didn't, uh, well, maybe if I don't, if, if I just kind of brush that off or something, then that will go away instead of taking that teachable moment to say, well, tell me more. Where did you hear that? And did you see that? Yeah. What did you feel when you, well, let me tell you, you know, what mom and dad do. And, um, and so I think the fact that they're asking, like to use your analogy, if they're saying, well, what's that? What's the stove? Yeah. Well, tell them. Yeah. You know, and we've, uh, we've tried to be honest with our kids about, about things when they ask and just kind of say it matter of fact, like it's not like inside I'm dying of embarrassment, right. <laughs> but I'm not going to make them feel shameful for asking. Yeah. So I want this to be a place where they can do it. Because yeah. the reality I, I come see is, um, parents are like, well, I'm afraid if I talk to my kids about porn, then they're going to go, listen, right. your kids have already heard yes. stuff. They have. They've already seen stuff from school, from other kids' phones, from older kids. And so if you're worried as a parent, well, I don't want to be the first. You're not. Yeah. <laughs> but maybe you ought to be right. and find ways to have those conversations. And so sometimes it's not even just to think, well, I'm going to have a conversation about um, pornography. It might be. I just want to have a conversation about respecting people, mm -hmm. you know, something yeah. like that. And uh, there's a resource I know that I have loved. I can't remember the author, but I bet we could put it in the notes, but it's called The Talks. Yes. And it was really helpful because it, it had the premise, there's not just one talk that you have, but there's a series of talks that you have with your kids. Like we, mm -hmm. We'll talk about modesty, we'll talk about respect, and we'll talk about all these things before you even start to get to some of these. And there were times with that book that I would pull it out and I would read this chapter and underline it. And then I would have that talk with my kid yeah. uh, because I just needed some language of what to say. Yeah. Language is so helpful. And that book is a great resource. Um, Denise and I came across another book that is a really great resource for pornography specific conversations, especially with young kids. Um, and we'll put this in the notes as well. The author is Kristen Jensen. And she has a couple of books called Good Pictures, Bad Pictures. And one of them is like a junior version. Um, and, and those are incredibly helpful. Give you kind of handles to have this conversation, um, especially with young kids. And I think the talks that you mentioned, it's great for the older kids. Barrett Johnson. That's right. Barrett Johnson. Yeah, that's a great book and a great principle uh, that we try to share with our parents all the time. It's multiple talks. It's not just one. I had the talk. Phew, I'm done. It's multiple talks about multiple things with our kids. I love what you said, Thomas, about if some if your kid asks, then that's the right time. Because sometimes it's going to be a different age for a different kid. We had a pretty funny circumstance where I was telling 
my husband, you know, Corey, I think you should talk to our older son kind of about how babies are made. Like, I think kids are going to start talking about it, et cetera. Three days later, I hear him explaining to the younger kid. <laughs> and I was like, what? And he said, he asked me some specific questions. Yeah. Wow. About like, how does that work? Yeah. What are the parts involved? And I was like, oh, okay. So sometimes we mm-hmm. have to be the initiators. There's a personality type that's not going to go out and ask questions. But sometimes we have four-year-olds who really want to know yeah. all of that biology. Mm-hmm. That's so great. We what just a gift to be aware. for us when our kids ask the question. Um, and I think that sometimes we, the beauty of approaching this as multiple talks instead of one, the talk is it takes the pressure off in a, in that moment mm-hmm. where a four-year-old asks a really deep question about things that, you know, you're eventually going to have to explain to him. Um, if you know, okay, this is one of many talks that I'm going to have. It takes the pressure off of having the perfect response, explaining all the details, right. which really a four-year-old probably doesn't need to know no. all of them. I had the same experience happen when my youngest, a few years ago, she was probably seven or eight, asked me very directly, mom, like, I know I was in your tummy when you were pregnant with me, but now I'm not. So like, how, how did I get born? I think was how she (laughs) asked the question. And of course, my mind immediately goes to like, oh my gosh, have I talked to her about all the body parts, you know, adequately enough to explain this. And, And here's the reality. When a young kid asks a question like that, just give them a little bit mm-hmm. and see how they respond. Mm-hmm. And they might ask another question or, or show signs that they're still very interested and need more information. You can give a little bit more. You don't have to go like from zero to 60, yeah. you know, in one, in one city. And right. <laughs> right. And so I'm so thankful I had the, the, the space to think, okay, I don't have to answer this question, you know, 100% right now. And so I thought a second and I said, you know, Well, daddy and mommy, we went to the hospital and the doctor helped take you out of my tummy. And then I kind of hold my breath and she's like, okay, what are we going to have for dinner? Like that was enough for that conversation. And just knowing, hey, there's going to be more conversations about this, about how babies are made and how they're born. And and that was enough for now. So it kind of Mm -hmm. takes the pressure off of having to Mm -hmm. explain everything. Hey, we're going to press pause on this conversation right now and pick it up again in the next episode. I hope that today's sitting at the table with us has sparked some different thinking for you and maybe some different things for you to explore or even generate conversations with others around you around another table. But we welcome you to come back with us next episode as we'll pick this up then.